should be started. I think it's good to start. Hey, guess what podcast this is, Owen? I was trying to incorporate what happened into it without saying the name. And it <laughs> it's the work. What Happened Podcast. That's us. <laughs> Welcome back. Thank you. Um, not you. To the listeners, Owen. <laughs> Welcome back to the listeners. Uh, if you don't know what this is, uh, you know. It's a podcast. It's just me, myself, and I. And, uh, and Owen. <laughs> thank you. Uh, yeah, my name is Ryan. That's Owen. And uh, we're going to be talking about some uh, wacky historical events that uh, have taken place throughout history. Uh, Owen, you're up. You ready? You excited? Delve right into it. I say you, you just go ahead and delve. Ryan, I got a question for you. Hit me. How much do you know <laughs> your stupid face? <laughs> it's not that bad, according to what my mom tells me. <laughs> How much do you know about Mongolian imprisonment and their sentencing? Um, nothing. Yeah, I will tell you, I researched it, and I still don't know a whole lot. Okay, well, then what was the point of the research? To find out stuff. <laughs> to know more than I do now. And Ryan, I know more than I do now. Well, that's good. So... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the year is 1913, and you're a French millionaire who is exploring the world with your wealth. Uh, on your trips, you plan to take photographs of, of the adventures and the amazing scenery and people you meet along your way, and photograph it. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Sorry, I almost deleted everything I just wrote. <laughs> uh, and you plan to put them into a photographical project that you name the Archives, the Archives of the Planet. That sounds kind of... If I was a millionaire, that sounds like something I would do. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's also 1913, so like, what else are you going to do? Like, were cameras just invented? No, dude. How long have cameras been around for? A long time. Like, the 1800s. Alright, so that was like 13 years ago. <laughs> okay. okay. Alright, I didn't look up the history of cameras for this, Ryan, so... Was it Degar? Daguerre? Didn't he invent cameras? Frenchman? Oh, another Frenchman. I could be wrong about that. I, it honestly kind of sounds right, but I don't. Okay, continue. I don't know. Um, so your name is Albert Kahn. Okay. Uh, and for over 22 years, you have traveled the world archiving your adventures with over 70, 72,000 photographs. That's a big book. That's a large book. Uh, you have seen the world, and you have traveled to every country imaginable. You and three other men, uh, Alfred Dutu-Chu-Chu-Tree. Oh, Chu-Chu-Tree? Yeah, Dutu-Tree. <laughs> uh, Jean Brunchier. And Stéphane Bessier. <laughs> I doubt we have any French listeners, but if we do... <laughs> I apologize. Uh, yeah, so Stéphane Passet, Jean Brunchet, and then Alfred Dutrichetri. They will be referred to by their first names. Okay. <laughs> and I'm only referred to uh, Stéphane from now on anyways. So, uh, Anyways, so uh, you and these three men um, travel the world, essentially. Um, you're a little older, so you basically just, like, you did your traveling a little bit. You just chill in France, send these people around the world, have them take photographs, report back to you, put it into your 72,000 picture archive. Wait, so Alfred is the is the main guy? Who's, Al Albert. Albert is Either the main way. guy who's compiling all the photos? Yeah, so he's the French millionaire, uh, and he started this project for 22 years. And he sends out Stefan? Yeah, and he sends out three other guys to okay. help him with the project, because okay. it's 1913, and traveling's not exactly... You gotta walk everywhere, you know? Well, that I, are horses. You know, I was thinking more boats, too. Like, you know, a long-ass boat ride. You're really gonna take a to, boat like, a six across, hour... like, overland across Mongolia? 
Okay, well, this isn't just a Mongolia. This is across the world. <laughs> okay, whatever. And, uh, Ryan, I don't know if you know, but Europe and Mongolia, uh, there's only land there. <laughs> it's called Europe. And Asia. You know, the North Sea is part of Europe. Also the Mediterranean. I was going to say, also the Mediterranean, but it doesn't exactly connect to you. You can, like, try to get to the Caspian Sea by boat. It's just not going to be easy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, um, um, Estefan... Uh, he passes the border from China to Mongolia after visiting Beijing. Uh, a remote stretch of desert spans the border with almost no signs of life. You begin your journey to a, rem a remote town, far from civilization and seemingly barren of life. As you approach, you notice three huts in the distance, some horses, and just a couple of um, villagers standing idly by. You take out your camera, photograph the village and its people, and document their everyday life through photographs. So, was this one of the... Was, was the type of camera they used back then the one where you got to put your head under the hood and, like, hold up that flash stick? Um, I don't think that was, like, a thing anymore. I did, I, I've seen the photographs, and, okay. like, they looked pretty good. I mean, I, I, I don't know exactly what the photographs from that specific camera look like compared to the ones I'm looking at, so. They're a little grainy. <laughs> yeah, these were pretty good. Um, I'll show you the picture later. I mean, we'll post it up on our Instagram of what I'm going to be talking about anyways, but. Okay. Um, so... You spend your day photographing the villagers, talking to them, trying to figure out, you know, how they spend their lives. Um, they literally, it's this tiny village in the middle of nowhere, and it's Mongolia, so it's just like, just flat, no trees, just the middle of nowhere, right? Did you know that Mongolians are among the only Asians that can eat cheese? Uh, what, uh, how, like, uh, just elaborate, I have no idea where you're going with this. So, the, um... There's, like, a gene that lets you eat cheese, right? Okay. Like, milk specifically? Yeah, milk. So, okay. lactose. Okay. So, a lot of Asians are lactose intolerant just because they... No one really made cheese. Okay, all right. So, they just never really, like, passed on this gene. But the Mongols like their cheese? Yeah, they would eat, like... They would drink, like, sheep's milk and stuff, I think. Oh, that makes sense. I don't know. That's what the uh, biology teacher at my uh, first year of the community college that I dropped out told me. So, take it with a grain of salt. <laughs> what a random fact about Mongolians. Um, <laughs> so, as you look past the village, you notice that underneath a single tree in the distance, there's this odd shape. You don't really know what it is, but you decided that you, your time is better spent with the villagers than just, like, wandering, like... 600 yards into a desert to find out what the shape is okay um as you go throughout your day you realize that you know what they're pretty freaking boring people i'm gonna go see what that little tiny box is out there right okay so you start walking um as you approach the box starts to rustle and a quiet moan exits the box spooky it is spooky scared but curious you decide to walk beside it placing your hand near the oddly shaped hole on the side Suddenly, a head pops out, um, and a pair of tired, scared eyes lock onto yours. Terrified, you step back, snap a picture, and run back to the village. So this guy just found a dude in a box under a tree? So, um, what he found was the... I'll delve more into it, really, but um, it was a Mongolian woman who was immured into a, in a box and sentenced to death. I don't like that. Now, these boxes from the Mongolians... Um, are four foot, four feet long, three feet high. Not enough for you to lay down properly. Not enough for you to sit up properly. Oh boy! 
Sorry. And the only hole, like the only air or any source of light is like a head-sized hole in the side of your box. So you can stick your head out at least. You can stick your head out, but like you can't, you can't lay down flat. You can't sit up properly against the back of it because it's only three feet tall. So your legs are always going to be constantly bent. And you're always going to be hunched. It sounds terrible. Sounds horrible, right? So what you just stumbled upon um, is an immured woman. Now, uh, immurement, I don't know if you know. Do you know what immurement is? Yeah, it's when you get buried alive. Yeah, so immurement is, quote, the act of enclosing or confining someone against their will. Have you ever seen the uh, Ryan Reynolds movie, Buried? I have not. The entire thing, it's like an hour and a half long movie, and mm-hmm. he's just in a box underground. Good movie? No. Uh, I'm going to go on a tangent here. Speaking of awful movies, I watched Paul Blart Mall Cop last night, or two last <laughs> night, after watching a 20 minute long YouTube video of why it's the worst movie in the entire world. <laughs> Does he get a mirrored? No, it's just a horrible movie. <laughs> Dude, it's a mall cop, but the entire second movie takes place in a Las Vegas con- casino. They don't go near a mall. <laughs> he goes to a security convention at a Las Vegas casino. And then hijinks ensues, I assume. Yeah, and then it's basically like the same plot. His daughter gets kidnapped, just like in the first one. And then it's Paul Blair. It's So it's basically just Kevin James, like, fighting diabetes and, uh, and enemies. <laughs> I'll add it to my uh, must-watch list. Dude, you have to. <laughs> it was the worst thing I've ever seen. So, going back. Um, so, immurement is enclosing or confining someone against their will. Um, one of the most famous examples of immurement. What am I going to say? Um, churches. Also, yes, yeah, um, but I'm talking about, uh, like, literary. Kill Bill, Volume 2. So, Edgar Allan Poe, okay. <laughs> in his poem, uh, The Cask of Amontillado. Amontillado. Yeah, I don't know how I to say it. I've never read it, and I yeah. know how to say it. Okay, well, I apologize. It's just a fine wine, all right, bud? I'm more of a telltale heart man myself, <laughs> um, but continue. So, essentially, the whole plot of it is that the protagonist walls up his friend Fortunato uh, deeper than a wine cellar, and then, like as the protagonist is leaving like he hears his like buddy fortunato like wail out in agony as he's you know because now he's buried in a wine cellar wall that's what i would do so it's just a pretty famous example of a um so a is believed to um, be started by the romans okay um used against like political opponents prisoners whatever the romans weren't great um actually excuse me so it was believed to start from um uh, to start and mostly be used by the romans against women um Specifically, women that would um, have sex before marriage. So naturally, apparently, toward the Romans, like law, you weren't allowed to spill their blood for some reason. I don't know. I tried to look more into it. I guess you couldn't spill like. I, I don't think you could like just stab a lady. I think is basically how it is. So the way that they punished you to death instead of like cut you open or anything was that they would just like build a wall around you. I feel like I'd rather get like beheaded or something. Yeah. Yeah, I'd rather you, like, stab me in the leg <laughs> and, like, I bleed out rather than, like, sit inside of a wall for two days. Oh, that would be terrible. Um, and it's believed that uh, immurement spread throughout Europe because of the Romans conquering. And then they would, you know, they're naturally the people that they conquer, they'd immure some of them. And then the people that, like, lived would be like, oh, that's pretty cool. And then they do it on other people. So immurement got really famous within Europe. So it's not just the Mongols that did it. Uh, it was spread all throughout Europe. Okay. Um... So, National Geographic published this picture in 1922, and now there's many disputes on the article itself that National Geographic wrote, because it's basically just some guy looking at the picture and making up a story as to why the woman is in the box. See, National Geographic's a terrible source. Yeah, going back to it. Go back to last episode if you want another beef. (laughs) Um, So basically, this guy uh, for National Geographic made up a story that 
to his credit, he used history that most times immurement is used against women who are like adulterers, right? Okay. So he believed that this Mongolian woman was an adulterer, and that's why she was uh, immured. Do Mongolian beliefs have I, that standard? I don't know. Okay. Not not sure. I tried to look into it, and it's honestly incredibly hard to find anything about the Mongol justice system. <laughs> if <laughs> there is surprising. one. Yeah, if there is one. I'll delve a little more into what I found about their justice system. Um, so this isn't the only first case, or excuse me, this isn't the only case of an outsider finding immured people within Mongolia. Pretty wild. So uh, there's this one case in, in 1918, a lad named Roy Chapman... Roy Chapman Andrews, sorry, there was a there was a space. Roy Chapman Andrews visited a prison in Urga, Mongolia. Okay. Uh, he was baffled when what he found was essentially prisoners stuffed into tiny boxes in a dungeon. Why build the dungeon if you're just going to use the boxes? I, I that's kind of was my it thought seems process. Like a waste of space. Yeah. So he had one of the uh, um, the jailers explain the process to him as to why there is like 15 dudes in boxes in a dark, like cold cellar, essentially. Um, so. These cells were described by Chapman as uh, three by four foot wooden boxes. So like I said before, four, four foot long, three foot high. Um, and they were kept in a dark, musky dungeon. No sources of light. Just no airflow besides like a single door and you're just in the dark. Um, so uh, these cells had roughly a six inch hole. Uh, where food was, uh, food or water would be exchanged. They wanted to keep the prisoners alive. This was just a, quote, holding cell. And not their actual punishment. Wait, so, because I thought that the, that Rather, they wouldn't give you any food, so that's how you die. You die on So, cramps. in this case, in this 1918 case, they, this wasn't to um, kill the people. This was just an, an imprisonment tool until they were, so, these people were on death row, essentially. They were being okay. held in these boxes till they could be hung. So let's just but keep them nice and uncomfortable. The majority, yeah, exactly. Until we can break their necks. The majority of the people would just die in the box because you're in like a cold dungeon in Mongolia, which is like freezing. Yeah. Um, also, so they would give you food and water through a tiny little hole. But the worst part of living in this three by four foot box. You got to poop in there. Yeah. And they would clean it up once every two to three weeks. Oh, yuck. So not only your box, but like the 10 other people, they clean out once every two to three weeks. So can you imagine, like, not only are you sitting in your own, but the just the smell in that well, dungeon. Well, you got poor airflow, so it's mostly your own, I feel like. That's fair. There was just a six-inch hole you're breathing through. Yeah. yeah. Yuck, though. Yeah. Just yuck. Um, so that was another count. And uh, like I said, the, the jailer said that this wasn't their actual punishment. This was literally just a way of holding the prisoners until they were executed. Uh, due to the harsh and near-freezing conditions of the dungeons, most prisoners died well before their execution date. Yeah. So this was, uh, I, I, the the woman the the previous story was rural Mongolia, and this is still rural Mongolia compared to most other cities. But now uh, in Urga, it is the um, it's not their capital, but it's like a pretty well established city. So this right. is their reformed punishment of immurement is that they wouldn't kill you in it, or they would they wouldn't try to kill you in it. But if you died in it, you died in it. While in rural Mongolia, they just let you out in the desert. So the lady that Stephen Stephen found, she, she died. Was, that's how yeah. she was gonna die. Was in yeah. The box. Um, Were there's they also her. Do you know? So there was a food bowl outside of it, um, and it is believed that within the Mongolian culture, it is a crime to feed someone who's immured. 
So if you're just like walking along a trail and you stumble upon someone in a box, if you give them like a piece of candy and someone sees you, you then get a mirrored. <laughs> it <laughs> just the cycle continues. Yeah, exactly. So like, don't do that. Yeah. Okay. Seems like a real dick move, dude. Um, so, uh, it is reported that Mongolia is still very, very strict with their laws and imprisonment. It, it, it is noted to say that capital punishment, aka immurement, and other things were banned in Mongolia in 2012. Well, that's a bummer. But 2012. <laughs> <laughs> you know, eight years ago, they were like, we should probably stop, like, you know, locking people in boxes. When the rest of the world is thinking that the Mayan calendar is going to kill them, <laughs> yeah. Mongolia is just like, yeah, we should probably get rid of these boxes. Yeah, so they were a little behind. Um, but they are still full of detention centers that are designed to hold prisoners until they are sentenced. Um... Those imprisoned usually have no due process and um, and no one representing them. This is uh, modern day Mongolia. Okay. So they're held in detention centers until they get sentenced, but they like don't have any lawyers or anything. So, but the detention centers don't have immurement anymore. No, no, you're not like locked in a box. But like some people have spent their whole lives in the detention center waiting to get sentenced. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So. A weird story about a Mongolian prison, right? I mean, besides being immured. So in 2008, modern modern day Mongolia. Okay. Pre, modern day, but still pre. <laughs> pre post-immurement. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so a seven-year-old boy was sentenced to seven years in a prison for stealing a box of chocolates and wine. He was seven and he was drinking wine? Yeah, I was a little surprised when I read that. I was like, I got to find another article, see if it says wine. Because I was like, oh, chocolate makes sense. No, he was stealing wine too. He stole someone's Valentine's Day gift. Yeah, and then they stole his childhood. <laughs> so he got well, out I mean, when he, he was fourteen. He could probably lay down. He's only seven. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, yeah, I don't know if he was a mirror. <laughs> uh, yeah. But like, think of it in a practical standpoint. Why build a cell when you can just build a box? I mean, you can save space for sure. Use stone or use wood. Think about it. It's easier to get wood. Well, actually, it's in, all about the economy. Are there a lot of trees in Mongolia? I don't think so. Isn't it mostly like, plains? Yeah, yeah, it's a step. Like S-T-E-P-P-E, right? Step? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, it was really hard for me to find more information just because it was, like, in 1913 when this so picture was taken. Did anyone find out what that what the lady Stefan found was immured for? Uh, no. Okay. Um, so, he was, the, he was alone when he found her. Um, so, he attempted to talk to the locals. But, like I said, the locals aren't allowed to, like, have any contact with someone who's immured. So, there's oh, probably, okay. like, one dude that yucked her in a box and then, like, didn't tell the rest of the people. Could have been, um, like, frontier justice. Like, exactly, yeah, Whoever's exactly. in charge of that region decides that she should be a mirror, yeah. and no one else really knows why. So, like I said, the fabricated story, or the presumed story, from National Geographic is that she was an adulterer. But, like, there's legitimately no proof as to what happened. I mean, obviously she died, but there's no proof as to who or what put her in that box. Interesting. Um, but, yeah, this is in 1913, so I'm sure they did it a couple hundred years beforehand, and they were doing it up until 2012. So, like... Probably a lot of people got immured in uh, Mongolia. <laughs> it doesn't sound great. No, it does not. That's all I got. Little, that, that was fun. Yeah, not a lot. I just thought it was like a really weird story, so I just wanted to share it. It's kind of spooky. I would never want to get immured. Dude, it sounds awful. Man. You know, they used to immure kids in churches because they yeah. thought it would like. Yeah. Uh, so they uh, in Europe they used to do it. I was reading this as part of my um, thing, and that was the London Bridge thing I was talking about. Yeah. They used to have mere children in bridges and like new buildings in general because they thought it was good luck for the building. Imagine being the mom and like a bishop comes to you and it's like, hey, we need Timmy. Yeah, I'm building a new church. <laughs> it's going to be done in like 
45 years, so <laughs> just, like, have a kid by then, please. <laughs> Plan accordingly. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the story I have for you today, Owen, is the story of Operation Red Dog. Now, that before... sounds really cool. Before we go any further, Owen... Yes, sir. I'm making a statement. Okay. Okay, would you like to hear my statement? Are you saying you have no connection to Operation Red Dog? So this story involves KKK... And neo-Nazis. Okay. And Owen, you and I, I assume, are going to be talking rather cavalier about about the the KKK. And audience, don't get it wrong, okay? We denounce the KKK. Absolutely. We're being goofy because that's what this podcast is about, but racism in any form is bad. Yeah. Now, that being said... It's 1981, Owen. Right into it. <laughs> you're blasting Electric Light Orchestra on your way home from seeing Raiders of the Lost Ark in the theater. You're blissfully unaware of the plot that rises in the deep <laughs> in the deep south. You know, you're just on your way home to see the royal wedding between Princess Diana and uh, uh, Prince Charles. Okay, Is that 81. Yeah, I remember. I, that. I looked up. Famous 1981 event. Just to make that quote. Just for this one first paragraph. <laughs> uh, yeah, but in the American South, a strange plot brews. So, April 27th, 1981, a group of American and Canadian neo-Nazis set sail uh, from a port in New Orleans. These men were armed with automatic rifles, shotguns, hand grenades, you name it, dude. They're armed to the teeth. Do we know how they got armed? We will get there. All right. Um, yeah, their uh, plan, you ask? Uh, yeah, that's probably a good question. To set sail for the island of Dominica, overthrow the government, and seize the island for themselves. This... The whole island or just the Dominican side? Because you said the island of Dominica. so that would I think just the Dominican side. So this plan, they named Operation Red Dog. So what happened? Yeah, that's a great question. So, in 1979, the plan was hatched. An American KKK imperial wizard, uh, an all-around dirtbag, Joe Daniel Hawkins, planned the operation. He would hire KKK member Mike Perdue to lead the ground assault on Dominica. Jesus, this is like a real... Now, just quick sidebar, the fact that they have wizards... Yeah, I was kind of chuckling when you said Grand Wizard or whatever like, you said. He's Oh, no, the Grand Wizard is at the top. He's oh, just right. an Imperial just, Wizard. Oh, Imperial Wizard. So he's high-ranking, but he's not... So he's no Gandalf. He's no Gandalf. <laughs> he's right. more of a Radagast, the brown, you know? No, I don't. <laughs> Shout out all the Hobbit fans. <laughs> um, you isolated yourself on that one. <laughs> so, clan members Arnie, Polly, and... Uh, Roger Dermy were sent on a scouting mission to Dominica, okay. and they were going to report back with details. Over the next two years... Oh, Jesus. They, they spent f- two years there? Um, no, they didn't. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought, you were t- I thought you were talking about the scouting mission. But Continue. The, the plan was started in 1979, okay. and then over the next two years, okay. $57,000 were raised by clan members L.E. Matthews Jr. and James C. White. In exchange for their investment... Matthew and White were promised a cut in the Nordic Enterprises, which no, was that? a company that they were going to start. Okay. They also it's it's Nordic with a T, not Nordic. They can't even spell. Were they? I mean, it kind of would make sense if they're trying to name it Nordic, right? Yeah, a lot the of Scandinavian. You know, a lot of white people up there. Exactly, but they yeah. didn't spell it right. That's yeah, that's fitting. <laughs> so. 
Uh, Nordic Enterprises was to be the company that would run all the clan's various interests in Dominica. Once they took control of the island, uh, the clan would start casinos, brothels, and particularly, Owen, marijuana. Now, the island of Dominica is known for two things, bananas and marijuana. And marijuana is three times cheaper to produce in the Dominican Republic than bananas. Is like, uh, is tobacco still a thing down there? Isn't that what like the Caribbean was used for? Um, I don't know. I know that's like an American South thing. Yeah, like yeah, Virginia and stuff. Yeah. Um, so basically, they wanted to go there, seize the island, and then just make like a. a so a, did how many how many people? Because did they think they could just take over a nation? We will get there. Because, like, they have they still have an army. <laughs> we will get there. Okay. So, basically, their plan was to go there, see, like, stage a coup, mm-hmm. and then just set up, like, uh, a white-only debauchery island where they could just have, like, gamble and have sex with prostitutes so and smoke what was marijuana. So, what was their plan with, like, this, the civilians? That I never really got Cause, like, any clarity on. <laughs> We'll, we'll keep going. All right. So the clan would go on to include people from all over the place in this plan. Mike Perdue, who we mentioned, was from Texas. Wolfgang Droja, uh, who supplied weapons and some of the um, manpower, was a German-Canadian neo-Nazi. He lived, like, way up north. I was going to say, he better be German with the name Wolfgang. <laughs> um, <clears throat> the uh, group bought guns from a smuggler from the Barbados. Oh, and uh, the keeping most... it Caribbean. Hmm? Keeping it Caribbean. Yeah, you know, flintlocks and whatnot. <laughs> Please tell me that's what they had. No, they. Oh, had that like... would have been so much better. <laughs> they had like full assault rifles. Damn and it! Stuff. <laughs> so the uh, most interesting crew member though was Patrick John. Now, oh, and I know never you... trust a man with two first names. Patrick R. John could oh. be Patrick Richard. Patrick Richard. Yeah, but, John. yeah, but still, um, no. Like I'm saying, a man with whose last name is a first name, you never trust them. Yeah, I know. Never trust those people. Well, okay. Quick history lesson about Dominica. In 1967, Dominica was under the control of the United Kingdom. During this time, a man from the Dominican Labor Party would lead the country to independence. Eventually, in 1978, Dominica was granted its uh, independence as a republic. Okay, so they were going to the Dominican Republic, because Haiti was France. What? Haiti was France, and then Dominica... Yeah. Okay, alright. Well... Wait, what? How's that related? It's the same island. So yeah, I know. I'm just so I asked earlier, are they going for the whole island or just the right just side the of the island? Now. Okay. So Yeah, eventually in nineteen seventy eight, Dominica would be granted its independence as a republic and would elect its first prime minister. Wait, that was in seventy eight? Yes. And they devised their plan they started making their plan a year later. Yes. These guys hopped right on that. So the elected Dominican Labour Party member to be the first prime minister, Owen? Mm-hmm. Patrick John. Is it's is it the same guy or just It's the same man. Oh, oh. So in 1979 Patrick John was deposed from power after a, a no confidence vote from the House of Assembly. John wanted power back so badly that he would stoop so low as to team up with a group of racist KKK and neo-Nazis. Jesus. Uh, <clears throat> while Nordic Enterprises would oversee the business dealings of the clan, Patrick John would run the country and make uh, clan-friendly policies. So, you know, he's like, he's like, I want to be in power, but I really just, like, I don't care what I have to do, pretty much. Wild. So, 
1981 rolls around. The group had raised enough money, gathered enough uh, men and guns for their coup, and the plan was to cross the Gulf of Mexico, meet up with a group of Dominican soldiers loyal to Patrick John, and storm the capital. Initially, Purdue had a clan member hired to ride uh, or to like take them across the Gulf of Mexico to the like Dominican to, to Republic. Like to sail, all right, yeah. to sail them. To sail them. Okay. Uh, the boat driver backed out at the last minute, though, and Purdue was forced uh, to charter a boat for the trip. To avoid suspicion, um, Purdue told the boat driver, Mike Howell, uh, that they were working for the CIA. But he also told them they were there to start a coup. I mean, it is the CIA. I mean, that does check Bay out. Bay of Pigs. Um, Possibly Venezuela of this year. Who knows? Who knows? But yeah, like, but still, it's it's very sus. It's just some random dude is like, yeah, I need a boat to the DR. Go and they're just like loading Jakku. weapons. Don't worry, we work for the CIA. <laughs> right? It's a little sus. Yeah. So Mike Howell, a Vietnam veteran, was suspicious of this uh, claims and contacted the most prestigious branch of law enforcement, Owen. The with, sheriff. With, I don't know which, you said sheriff? Yeah. The Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms. Oh, yeah. I don't really know why he called them. Uh, ATF. Yeah, but why that? ATF's really high up. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I just, just thought through it was... shaded ATF. It's like really good. Yeah, I have a buddy who's trying to get on ATF. <laughs> I rescind my shade. I'm <laughs> yeah, sorry, ATF is like pretty prestigious. They're up there. They're like the same. It's federal, so they're the same level as like the FBI. Like when like the Unabomber and stuff, they're the ones who investigate like explosions and stuff. I don't see how that relates to alcohol or tobacco, though. You're saying they're uh, trying to grow tobacco. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> so, around this time, in uh, Dominica, a soldier involved in the coup uh, was in jail. He asked a guard to pass a note to another prisoner for him. Uh, the guard read this note. I mean, as you probably would. As I would if I was a prison guard. And Passing guess, a note. Guess what was on it, Owen? You want to fight? <laughs> Key details to the coup. He just... What an idiot. He's like, yo, guard, can you give this for me? And the guy just read it and was like... What? <laughs> so now it's April twenty seventh. Uh, Operation Red Dog is all eighty one or seventy nine still. So eighty one then. 81. If it's all set, okay. Um, Operation Red Dog is all set to go. Thirteen Klansmen and neo Nazi board Mike Howell's boat. They load all their weapons and supplies. But before they could leave the harbor, oh by the way, they were uh, launching from New Orleans. You did say that. Okay, sorry. I couldn't no, that's fine. Yeah, but before uh, they could leave the harbor, it was uh, the boat was surrounded by a SWAT team who yelled over a megaphone, we have uh, we have a SWAT team surrounding you. You're not going to Dominica, you're going to jail. Dude, someone, I'm sure he wrote that line up the night before. <laughs> He's like, I'm going to get him. And I was like, this is a, this is a great one. <laughs> so 10 men were uh, arrested, only 10 of the 13, because three of them were undercover ATF agents. Wait, seriously? Yeah, they like... How did they... I don't know how. How did they infiltrate that quickly? Uh, or were they like working on this for years and then, but they would have, I'm so, so I don't know questions. the exact timeline of when they hired Mike Howell. Okay. It but had to be between the time Mike Howell was like, yo, I think there's a bunch of neo-Nazis invading Dominica. Can you like help out? They, three guys joined. They got people, they got three guys to get hired by, um, Mike Perdue. Dude, that's wild. Yeah. Um, and you're throwing shade at the ATF. Meanwhile, yes, I am throwing the shade at it. They have a stupid name. I'm sorry. That's why everyone calls him ATF. <laughs> <laughs> uh, meanwhile, in the DR, remember that note, Owen? Uh, one of the... Uh, blah, blah, yeah, remember that note? Uh, wait, question for you. Was the former president wannabe guy on this boat? No. 
So he was, he still, was in, still in the DR? Yeah. Okay. But that note was used as direct evidence to arrest Patrick John. Oh, there it is. Crushing any chance at a coup. So, the operation was so poorly planned that one of the arresting officers called it, uh, he was like, uh, Bay of Pigs? More like the Bayou of Pigs. Got them. Because they're leaving from Louisiana. Yeah, and that's, yep. Yeah. So, uh, Mike Perdue and nine other mercenaries were found guilty of violating the American Neutrality Act and okay. uh, served a bunch of time in jail. I don't know how long you serve in jail for that, but. You couldn't find their sentences? I couldn't. Um, Patrick John I mean, was. They probably weren't immured, but. <laughs> yeah, good thing they weren't like overthrowing a Mongolian government. <laughs> uh, Patrick John was sentenced twelve years okay. on charges of treason, but he was acquitted and only served five years. I kind of have a feeling he's dead. Like I feel like someone tried to kill him along the way. Who knows? Like you, you don't know. Well, actually, no, he didn't. He no, Is no one he tried to kill him. Do you want to know why I know that no one tried to kill him? Because he died. Because uh, fun fact: Patrick John was the soccer administrator involved in the twenty ten FIFA election scandals. How is this guy still allowed to have any role of power? I don't know. I don't know why if I was FIFA, I'd be like, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to hire the former Dominican Republic uh, 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 vice, or, uh, prime minister that s- staged a coup. Jeez. Um, also, Operation Red Dog inspired another coup where more clan members tried to take over the country of Suriname. In- oh, Suriname. Suriname? Is yeah. that how you say it? Yeah, in uh, yeah. South America. Yeah, they tried to take over Suriname yeah. in South America. And like Operation Red Dog, it failed before it even left port. Jeez. Yo, kudos to ATF. That's Operation Red Dog. Also, kudos to freaking Mike Howell. Not only is he a war hero, hero for serving in Vietnam. Yeah, but he actually noticed something fishy. And yeah, he, sa- he saved the Dominican Republic. He saved a lot of people. With, well, you know, whether they actually could have taken over the DR, but he saved a lot of lives. I mean, they had like, I think it was like 90-something Dominican soldiers. To On storm the capital, like they probably could have done it. Yeah. So, shout out to Mike Howell. If you're listening, you're a hero. Shoot us a message on Instagram. At the what happened? What is it? What is it? What give, happened? Give underscore the, pod. There it is. You so have yeah. to like you know link it to them. So yeah, now we uh, we those are our stories. Uh, yeah, those are our stories <laughs> uh, for the week. Uh, we hope you enjoyed them. I had a great time on. Uh, like we said, give us a uh, follow on uh, the what happened pod. Whatever he said, the underscore thing yeah, was. Uh, if you want to see pictures of um, some of the stuff we talk about, yeah, like a, a lady in a box, a lady then. in a box, a dude in a in a clan robe. Um, Yikes. Uh, yeah, look us up at <laughs> what happened underscore pod on Instagram. We also got a Twitter, but I don't know the handle for that. We're having a rough go with our Twitter. <laughs> they tried to ban me. At <laughs> uh, official what happened, or the WHPC. Yeah, look us up on Twitter, Instagram. Hey, and uh, enjoy your week. Also, you too, Ryan. Don't be racist. Be kind. What happened?